Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole, our adventure for tonight, The Duke of Skid Row. Midnight. A dingy, poverty-stricken street of gloomy tenements and cheap lodging houses. Above the uninviting door of one of these latter places swings a dimly lighted sign that identifies the Davis Hotel, one dollar per night. A taxi cab stops in front, and a tall, very thin man alights from it. His clothes are shabby, but clean and well-fitting. In one eye is a monocle, and his hand a jaunty walking stick. How much do I owe you, please? The mate says two seventy. It is five dollars. Keep the change. Huh? Say, thanks. Good night. Hey. Yes. You know, cabs ain't easy to find in this part of town. Do you want me to wait for you? No. I should not be going out again tonight. Meaning you live in that flea bank? You may draw your own conclusion about my residence in the Davis Hotel. Oh, no offense, mister. Thanks again and good night. Good night. Hello, Duke. Good evening, Davis. I stand at the window when you get out of that cab. What's your big idea? I do not understand. Cab rides cost dough. You owe me over a week's rent. Oh, that little matter. The sum of my indebtedness to you is uh, how much? Five bucks for last week, and you're two days into this one. Here is twenty dollars. Hey, where'd you get that kind of dough? You may keep the change. Huh? I'm leaving this place tomorrow morning. Really? For good. Give me the key to my room, please. Ah, sure, Duke. Where are you going from here? My name is not Duke. It is Smythe. Mr. Smythe. I am going to live like a gentleman again. Good night. Night, Mr. Smythe. Mr. Davis. Yeah? I do not wish to be disturbed tonight. Again, good night. Huh. Twenty bucks he gave me. More than he asked me for the lend of a nickel. I can't figure that guy out. Well, gents, what can I do for you? A man came into this place just now. A man who wore a monocle and carried a walking stick. Uh, what about it? We saw him go upstairs. So he must be a guest of this uh, hotel. Who are you guys? We will ask the questions and give the answers. Hey, what's the idea? I can't... We will not harm you if you do as you are told. You will take us to the room of that man with the monarch. Okay, okay, okay. And be very quiet. Yeah. His room's on the next floor, up them stairs. You first. Just ahead of us. Sure. What, uh, what you two gents want with the Duke? The Duke? Is that what he calls himself? Ah, that's what we call him around here. It's just a gag. I don't know nothing about him, gents. He ain't no pal of mine. I don't know nothing about the dough he had tonight, neither. Oh, what do you mean by that? Well, that's what you hear about, ain't it? You're after the money you got someplace. This man you call Duke had money tonight? I only saw 20 bucks, sir, but he gave me the idea. Yes, that's right. Never mind. Take us to his room and get him to open the door. He must think you are alone. If you wish to live, my friend, do not let him know that anyone is with you. I hear it, I hear it. Uh, there's his door. Knock. 
Who is there? It's, uh, Davis, Duke. What do you want? I, uh, I got to talk to you, man. I told you I do not want to be disturbed. Um, uh, it's bad personal matter, Duke. Open the door. Oh, very well. Vigate, Anton. No be spectacles. You. Okay. Please. Please, You are no. going with us, son. No, no, I beg. And you will go quietly. Don't. Don't. Oh. You slugged him with that gun. Quiet, innkeeper. It was necessary. Now for you, innkeeper, here is $100. That signal for me? Put it in your pocket. Oh, thanks. It is in payment for your services and for what we are now compelled to do. Well, what do you mean by that? This. Captain Logan, that conk on the head was the last thing I knew till I come to. And I got myself downstairs and phoned you cops. You came to in here, Davis? Yeah, here in Duke's room. They slugged him and me. Duke and them two guys were gone. Also, the Duke's suitcase and everything he had in this room. Uh, Just like I told the precincts, cops would get here ahead of you, Captain. Davis, what name was the Duke registered under here? Uh, Smith, John Smith. Mm. Now, tell me all you know about this Duke, Davis. Well, uh, he checked in about two months ago. I figured him for one of them European refugees who run out of dough. During the last couple of weeks, he ran completely out of it. He hung me up for his room and was getting his only meals at the mission soup kitchen. You say he acted like a guy who once had plenty. Yeah, not just plenty dough. He acted like a duke in the movies. That's how we gave him his name. He used big words and spoke a lot of languages. Well, what nationality do you think he was? Uh, no one could dope that. He never said... You're going to be a big help to me. And the two men who came here for him were foreigners, you say? Well, they give out in a foreign language a couple of times, but I didn't get any of it. I only, I only parley good American. Well, come on down to headquarters with me. You may find their pictures in our files. Okay. You take charge here, Sergeant. Yes, Captain. Hey, what's that? Just getting a picture of you, mister. You too, Logan. Oh, so you're here, Casey. Yeah, Andy and I have been getting the yarn from the precinct cops who got here first. We were just going to start upstairs for a get-together with you. You learned anything new, Captain? If you got the story from the precinct guys, Miss Williams, you got all of it. Oh, but what do you think about it? How can I know what to think yet? I haven't anything to work on. I won't have until I can learn more about this duke and the guys who took him out of here. Uh, their descriptions have already gone out. Naturally. The precinct guys got that on the radio and teletypes first thing. I'm taking Davis to headquarters now to look at pictures. Uh, wait, Captain, that, that's my fault. The sergeant will handle it, Davis. Hello? Miss Williams and I will follow your car what? to headquarters, Logan. Okay, Casey. Yeah. Now let's go. Uh, Captain, wait. What is it, Sergeant? Second precinct on the phone, sir. One of their men has found the Duke. Found the Duke? Well, the description fits all right, and the guy is dead. I'll talk to second precinct. Hello, Captain Logan speaking. Where is the body found? Hey. Underneath the dock. Casey. This is getting interesting, Annie. Say that again. He'd been tortured before he was hanged, huh? Very interesting, Casey. I'll be right over. Goodbye. Seems you've just learned more about the Duke and the guys who snatched him, Logan. Yeah. Or have I? Well, come into my office. Thanks, Captain. You better sit down, Annie. Still look a little unsteady. I am. What that poor guy must have gone through before they strung him up. A sweet pair of killers did that job. 
And I still haven't a single lead to him. Logan, you sent Davis down here to look at pictures. Davis didn't find the kidnapper's pictures or one of the Duke either. Of course, your guys are trying to find the cab driver who dropped the Duke at his hotel tonight. Sure, they've been checking the hack stand since Davis told his story, but that'll probably take some time. Well, that driver can tell you where the Duke got into his cab, which may help you find out where he got his sudden wealth tonight. That money must have been the motive for the murder. Come in. We found that cab driver, Captain. The one who drove that Duke guy to Skid Row tonight. Oh, that's fast work, boys. Bring him in. Yes, sir. In here, fella. Okay. My name's Pinkus, Captain. Milton Pinkus. Hack license 10208. Sit down, Pinkus. Thanks. Your cops have told me what you want to know, so I won't waste your time or mine. The skinny guy with the cane and the one-window eyeglass I took to that joint on Skid Row, I picked him up on a call. A telephone call? That's right, a phone call which tells me to come to 300 Summit Road, which is Mr. Matthew Brinsley's residence. Huh? What? Matthew Brinsley's? Yes, sir. So I go there, rings the doorbell, the butler says to wait a minute, and then the skinny guy with the eyeglass comes out and gets into my hack. He came out of the Brinsley mansion? Yeah, but he didn't look to me as if he had two dimes to rub together. And when he told me the place where he wanted the to Davis go... The Davis Hotel? That's the joint. Well, when we get there, to my surprise, he hands me five bucks and says, keep the change. Oh. What time did you drop him off at the hotel? Around midnight. That fits Davis's story. Did your passenger have you make any stops between the Brinsley house and the hotel? No, sir. Well, did he talk to you during the ride, tell you anything about himself? I didn't hear a word from the guy after he told me where to go until he got out. Now, when your fare got out at the Davis Hotel, did you see anyone on the street who might have been watching him, waiting for him to show up? Mm. Yeah, I noticed two guys standing in the doorway across the street. Yeah? Yeah, but I didn't pay them no attention. The only thing on my mind was to get out of that lousy neighborhood where there was no business for cabs. You drove away immediately, huh? Yep. Okay, Pinkus, you can go. Thanks, Captain. I want to get back on my job. So long. So long. How do you like the Duke's connection with Matthew Brinsley, Logan? That's a hot one, isn't it? Brinsley's a multimillionaire. Yeah, now that cab driver says the Duke had dough. Enough to give big tips. You know... Brinsley's been in several jams and his money's got him out of Casey. Yeah, I know. For receiving stolen property. Oh, Casey, a man with his wealth? Oh, he's no fence, Annie. He's a collector of historical antiques. He's a bug on the subject. Too. Yeah. And I'm going to see what Brinsley has to say about this business. Hmm? When? I'd like to go right now. I probably couldn't get into this place at this unholy hour. Let's grab a few hours sleep. Get out there first thing in the morning. Well, okay, Logan. I'll be with you. <laughs> Quite a joint, this Brinsley Mansion kitchen. Yeah, I'll say. I'll probably interrupt the old guy's breakfast, but here goes his doorbell. Hey, hold it, Logan. Someone's opening the door. Eh? When is it? Good morning. We'd like to see Mr. Brinsley. I'm Brinsley, but I can't talk to anybody now. I'm on my way to the bank. I'm a policeman, Mr. Brinsley. Eh? Here's my shield and identification. I'm Captain Logan of the Homicide Bureau. Homicide? Very well. Come inside. Thanks. Right. Harris? Yes, sir? Tell the chauffeur to wait. I'll be slightly delayed. Uh, yes, Mr. Brinsley. Uh, sit down, Captain, and... Uh... My name is Casey. Uh, what are you gentlemen here for? I haven't committed any homicide. Mr. Brinsley, you had a visitor last night, a tall, thin, shabbily dressed man who wore a monocle. What about him? I want you to tell me all you know about him. Why? He was murdered after he left your house.
haven't seen him, Mrs. Wheelbracker. Huh? Oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, sure, Mrs. Wheelbracker. Oh, dear. <laughs> These women. Hmm. Here's your drinks, Casey. Miss Williams. Thanks, Everbert. I was hoping you'd show up pretty soon. So it was just a heart attack that killed the old guy, Casey. He wasn't murdered. Yeah. Brinsley's death was a perfectly natural one, Ethelbert. Oh, not altogether, Casey. From what you told me, the shock of hearing about the Duke brought on the attack. Yeah. At first, I figured the Duke sold something to Brinsley. Some antique he'd stolen, maybe. Yes, but Logan hasn't been able to find anything that Brinsley might have bought from the Duke. And as Brinsley wasn't out of his house after the Duke left it last night... There wasn't nothing in that leather bag Brinsley took into his study. No, nothing but some very legitimate bonds. That's what he was taking to the bank, Yeah, huh? apparently. Mm-hmm. The way that old guy hung onto his bag, even after his heart began to kick up. And he insisted on going into his study alone, then he closed the door. He was in there long enough to have taken something out of the bag and hidden it away. Logan searched, you say? Oh, sure, sure. Desk drawers and places like that. He looked for a safe in the room, and there wasn't any. Oh, Casey, if he should find something Brinsley bought from the Duke, it still wouldn't solve the Duke's murder. Danny, I've got a hunch it would. Well, now, I don't see how. I think those two well-dressed foreigners who went to the hotel for the Duke were looking for the thing he sold to Brinsley. And I think if they believed that they could still get their mitts on it, they just might... Hey, Annie. What? Logan said he was going to the Brinsley house again. He ought to be there about now. Let's you and me go there and join him. I got the same idea you got, Casey, so my men are giving that study in there a real going over right now. That's swell, Logan. Well, what do you know about that? Isn't often that you two have the same big ideas at the same time? Well, it's merely uh, coincidental. I had a first-class <laughs> basis for mine, Miss Williams, not one of Casey's hunches. Oh, no, what do you mean? Well, I've checked with Brinsley's bank, and they told me that two days ago he withdrew $30,000 in cash. Now, they record serial numbers when dough is passed out in chunks like that. Uh-huh. And the $20 bill the Duke gave Davis last night has one of those numbers. Casey. Brinsley must have bought something from the Duke. What could he have paid the Duke $30,000 for? Uh, Captain Logan. Yes, yeah, Sergeant. We found something. Let's see. Come on, Annie. There, Captain. That big leather chair. What? Wait till I show you. I'm used to trick hiding places, but this is one of the neatest I've run into. Look. When you press these three ornamental nails at the same time... The seat rises. There's a big cavity underneath. What's that thing in it? It looks to me like one of those gimmicks the King of Spades wears on his head. Casey, it's a crown. It's a gold crown. Yeah, it's not much of a crown. It's gold, but there are no jewels on it. <laughs> I was just saying to myself, Captain, why hide that thing? It ain't worth more than a hundred bucks. It's probably worth a hundred thousand, Sarge. Huh? It's old and antique. Can't you see that? That crown would have fitted nicely in Brinsley's little bag, Logan. He may have thought you knew the Duke had sold it to him, that you'd search for it. So he took it out of the bag... And put it in that trick chair before his heart gave out. I know all that, Casey. But now, how will that thing lead us to the killers? Well, Logan, the good old power of the press can lead them to us. What do you mean? Now, look. The only metal in this chair are the nails and coil springs. And when that crown gets back under the seat, it'll show up nicely in an X-ray picture. X-ray picture? Yeah. That the Morning Express will be carrying in all its editions tomorrow. With a nice story that you'll write, Annie. Well, okay, but what'll I write? An invitation to the death house. (laughs) 
two o'clock in the morning. And we've been sitting here in the dark for almost six hours. Well, we couldn't have a more comfortable place to sit in the oh. dark. Old man Brinsley put nice chairs in his house. You know, Casey, I don't think those men will come here. I don't either, Miss Williams. Only chumps would fall for that stuff in the express this morning. Well, aren't murderous chumps? Your come on was too broad, Casey. That X-ray picture showing the crown and that leather chair and Miss Williams' story. It was a darn good story, Logan. Thank you very much. I gave a reasonable explanation for that picture. I explained that the police, in looking for clues, had to take X-ray shots of almost everything in the house. Because Brinsley's executors wouldn't let the police tear things apart or remove anything from the house. Now, you made it sound very logical, Annie. I played up the crown shown inside that chair as a big mystery to the cops. Yeah. Well, naturally, I didn't say that it was a trick chair that you'd been able to open. And I gave a reasonable explanation for everything else in our come-on, too. For the house being empty of servants tonight, and for... Well, the real come-on outside of that picture was the truth she wrote about the Duke's connection with Brinsley. Duke undoubtedly told his murderers about that connection under torture, Logan. Man's story will clinch it. I hope you're right, but... Quiet. Yeah, I hear. Somebody's moving toward the study. I think someone's taken advantage of that rear window we left open, Logan. We'll soon see. There he is. With a flashlight. He won't be able to see us behind this screen. There's only one guy. Hey, Logan, he's making for that leather chair. He's flashing the seat with a knife, isn't he? Logan, he's got the crown. That's enough. Stick up your hands! What? We've been waiting for you, mister. You're under arrest for murder. Murder? Yeah. Murder of the Duke, known as John Smith. Where's your pal who helped you kill the Duke? I am here. Put up your hands. Huh? Casey? My brother is an expert marksman. You will do as he says. Where is he? I am in the dark, where you cannot see me. Drop your gun. Yes, he's got us, Logan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you are wise. Now. But how silly they were a minute ago. My brother, they thought I had walked into their trap alone. These Americans are very simple people, Dito. Ah. I see you have the crown. Yes. At last. Now, our labor is almost done. Why did you guys want that bum hunk of gold so badly? Father, he called it. He do not know what it is. He called this bum hunk of gold. Huh? Well, what is it? We have no time to answer your question or the inclination. Besides, it is foolish to satisfy the curiosity of soon-to-be dead people. Soon to be... I am sorry. If but... you leave, you might cause great trouble. For the good of my country and for my brother and me, you must die. Show them, Baba. Now. Yes, Tito. Now. Sergeant, I... turn on the light. We got him all right, Captain Logan. Uh, we were dependent on you, Sergeant. But thanks. Thanks just the same. And the next time, Logan, tell your men to crash in just a few seconds earlier. You, uh, you had these policemen hidden. Uh-huh. And we Americans aren't so simple as you seem to think, mister. Now, suppose you smart un-Americans tell us why you killed the Duke. We say nothing. We say nothing at all. Yes, you will, brothers. Yes, you will. Get him to talk fast, Captain. We've got to get this story to press. Yeah, you get the story, Annie. I'm going to get a couple of shots of these crown chasers and get them to the office. Okay, Casey, I'll meet you there as soon as I can. Uh, 
even made them guys talk, huh, Casey? Sure, Ethelbert. Sure. Oh, it wasn't too hard a job. After Davis positively identified them as the men who came to his hotel for the Duke. Tell me what they said. Well, to begin with, pal, they told us the Duke wasn't really a Duke. Oh, I knew that all along. He was only a count. Huh? He was an honest-to-gosh count, too, Ethelbert. From one of those little European principalities that went out of business after the First World War. Yeah, and the Duke, I mean the Count, was a relative of the king who'd lost his job. And he was also custodian of the royal crown, Ethelbert. And he scrammed the United States with all that dough that he could lay his mitts on and the sacred crown. Only the money gave out after a while, and he had only the crown left. So he finally sold the crown to Brinsley. Hmm. But the guys who killed him? They were stubborn royalists, Ethelbert. Fanatics about restoring their king, who had to have his traditional crown if and when he was restored. Mm-hmm. They went after the Duke and finally caught up with him. They forced him to tell what he'd done with the crown, and then they killed him. See, they considered the guy a traitor, Ethelbert, so they gave him the traditional punishment for traitors, hanging. They even tied a real hangman's knot. They thought it were a legal execution. Well, in their screwy minds, it was a legal execution. Hmm... Some people are certainly funny. Yeah. But as my sister Edna says, quote, if all folks was like you and me, wouldn't the world be dull? Unquote. And you know Edna. Our cast features Miss Leslie Woods as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert, with Herman Chittison at the Blue Note Piano. The original music is by Archie Blyer. Crime Photographer is brought to you each Thursday at this time by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees. Anchor Hawking. A great name in glass. Hi, everyone. The holiday season is upon us, and I'll be glued to the telly for BritBox on many a night. I've already shared with you the fact that I keep up with Father Brown and Poirot at BritBox. I also check out their new stuff, like the new series Archie, which tells the story of Archie Leach, otherwise known to millions of filmgoers as Cary Grant. This story comes from his daughter Jennifer Grant and ex-wife Diane Cannon. It's a series. The performance of Jason Isaacs, who plays Cary Grant, is top-notch. I highly recommend it. You can only find it on my favorite TV, BritBox. Sign up to BritBox today to stream Archie and other fan favorites today from any device. I have a special limited-time offer for my U.S. and Canadian listeners. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for a monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use my promo code 1001STORIES at checkout. Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Just use promo code 1001STORIES at BritBox.com. Try it. You'll like it. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey Crime Photographer. 
Ace Cameraman, who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole. Our adventure for tonight, Christmas Shopping. Late afternoon, a crowded aisle in one of our city's largest department stores. Making slow headway through the jostling shoppers are... Casey, I've never seen the store so crowded. Yeah, we say that every year during the week before Christmas, Annie. Where, where are you taking me now, huh? Well, you haven't anything for your Aunt Harriet yet, oh, so I thought right. we'd look at umbrellas there. On this side of the store somewhere. Yeah. Annie, look, uh, you can pick up a much nicer umbrella for Aunt Harriet than I can. I trust your judgment absolutely, Annie. So suppose Suppose you... I shop for all the uninteresting items while you go up to the toy department and watch the electric trains again. Uh, well, you know I've still got to pick up a few more things for my sister's kids, Annie. Mm-hmm. And... Hey, Annie, wait a minute. Hang on to your pocketbook. Keep an eye on that little guy in the black overcoat just ahead of us. Who? That's Fingers Fogarty. One of the best-known dips in the city. Pickpocket? Yep. Shove through this mob a little faster, Annie. Now, keep him in sight. I think he's closing in on a prospect. You mean he's made up his mind about whose pocket he's going to pick? Sure, smart dips like fingers don't dive into just anybody's pocket. They hang around bars and wait for some guy to flash a roll. And they tail him. And if he gets into a crowd like this... Look, Fogarty's doing his stuff now, Annie. No. Yeah. That big fat guy he just bumped into. Fingers took a wallet from his inside pocket. Well, I didn't see him. Neither did the fat guy. Fingers is a smooth worker. Come on. He'll feel very badly when we stop his special brand of Christmas shopping, but pocket picking is considered antisocial. I've got to get Mr. Fogarty. Well, he squeezed through the crowd. I can't see him anymore. Uh, neither can I. Look, Casey, yell out for somebody to stop him. Well, I yell, stop thief. Well, you can't let him get away. He won't get away. Uh uh-uh. Every cop in this precinct knows Fingers. He'll be picked up quick after a charge is brought against him. I'll help that guy who lost his wallet bring the charge. Yes, too. if you appear as a witness. I will. There's the fat man. Excuse me, mister. Huh? <laughs> Something happened to you a minute ago that I don't think you know about. What do you mean? Your pocket was picked. My pocket? Yeah. A little guy bumped into you, and as he did, I saw his hand go into your inside pocket and come out with a wallet. Well, I happen to know who he is, and when you report your loss to the cops, I'll be glad... You're to... mistaken, mister. I didn't lose my wallet. Huh? I'm sure. I... I'm more sure. I tell you, I saw him. When a guy sees something that couldn't be seen, he's either goofy or drunk. On your way, fella. Well, I'll be... Hmm. Good thing you didn't get your hands on fingers, Fogarty. He could have plastered you with a nice suit for false arrest. And I know he took a wallet from that fat guy's pocket. I was watching every move that fingers made. Well, I I was watching him, too, and I didn't see him take anything. And that fat man says he didn't lose a wallet, so... Okay, I'm goofy or drunk. Maybe you only need glasses. Well, I do after this. Several glasses. Let's head for the blue note. You and Casey get your Christmas shopping done this afternoon, Miss Wills? Well, I accomplished quite a lot, Ethelbert, but not Casey. He got sore, and after that, nothing would please him. What'd you get sore about, pal? Nothing. Oh, he had a little eye trouble. Oh, gee, that's too bad. Did you see spots floating in front of you, Casey? My eyes are okay. Now, fill that glass up again, Ethelbert, and don't ask so many silly questions. Mine too, Ethelbert. Right away, Miss Wills. Oh, now, Casey, don't you think it's about time you snapped out of your grouch? Well... It's pretty silly to get yourself all burned up just because you made a mistake. I didn't make a mistake, Annie. Fingers Fogarty took a wallet from that fat guy's pocket. What burns me up is I, I didn't find out why the fat guy denied it. Well, how could you have found out? Oh, I don't know. 
But I'm supposed to be a newspaper guy, Annie. Why, we may have missed a story with pictures. Here's your refreshment, folks. Oh, thanks, Ethelbert. Say, have you stopped into your office since you finished shopping? Hey, uh, huh? bartender, who's the boss here? Well, uh, what do you want? You want to buy a nice Christmas tree? You got some nice ones? A wagon full of them, fresh from Nova Scotia. Hmm, let's see one. Well, I'll be right back. Say, um, Casey, have you two stopped in at your office since you finished your shopping? Certainly not. This is our day off. Then you ain't heard the big news yet. What big news? One of your police reporters, Jake Birkin, was in a few minutes ago and tipped me off about it. Gee, was all excited. What happened, Ethelbert? About half an hour ago, the cops arrested the kidnapper and murderer of Gregory Walters. They did? Where? Well, where'd they get him? Well, like you know, before the Walters family paid over that $50,000 ransom to the kidnapper, yeah, yeah. the FBI made a list of the serial numbers on the bills, yeah. which they circulated all over the of country. Of course, you know? we know all that, uh, Ethelbert. I... How's this tree, mister? Nice and pushy, huh? Hmm. Let's see one a little taller. A little taller, okay. Ethel Bird, will you tell us about that kidnapper? Well, I'm getting to it. Well, come on, come on. Well, a guy walks into a tavern over on 36th Street tonight, yeah. orders a drink, and hands a barkeep a 20-buck bill with one of them hot numbers on it. The barkeep checks the number, calls a cop, and when the cop searched the guy... He found about 500 bucks more of the ransom dough in his pocket. Well, Ethelbert, who is the guy who had the ransom dough? The cops identified him? Well, they knew him as soon as they laid eyes on him. But, Ethelbert, who is he? Please. uh, Hey, hey. Is this tray big enough, mister? Uh, let's see. Well, let's see one a little thicker around the bottom. Thicker around the bottom. Ethelbert, yeah. will you please Casey tell and us? I know him. He's always been a small-time crook, and I was surprised to learn he was mixed up with anything so big as kidnapping and murder. Oh, say, will you tell us? I am telling you. It's that little runt, Fingers Fogarty. Fingers Fogarty? Yeah, the dip. He had Walter's ransom dough on him? About 500 bucks, just like I said. Naturally, Fingers denies having anything to do with the kidnapping. He said he lifted the dough out of the pocket of a guy who was Christmas shopping in S.J. Franken's department store. Franken's. Around 4 o'clock this afternoon. Casey Franken. And that fat guy denied he'd been robbed. Do you think he was the one? Oh, I can't see fingers as a kidnapper. He's always been just a slimy little sneak thief. Hey, what's this about a fat guy, Casey? Annie, Annie, come on. We're going to tell Logan what happened in Franken's. Well, what did happen, Well, never mind. You'll hear it later, Ethelbert. So long. So long. Hey. Hey. Is this one big enough for you, mister? I tell them to a whole complete news story in two short words, then they run off and leave me out on a limb. What limb? Too big? Hmm? Oh, you. Ah. Oh, oh no, we've got to have a really big tree. You think Fingers Fogarty may be just the victim of circumstances, Casey. Circumstances peculiar to his profession. Miss Williams and I have told you what happened, Logan. You can add it up. Captain, have you got anything on Fogarty outside of the $500 found in his pocket? Not yet, Miss Williams. A joint he lives in is being searched, but we don't think he was chump enough to hide the rest of his ransom money there. If he lifted the five C's and that fat guy, he has no rest of the dough to hide. Now, look, Casey... Fingers Fogarty knows you pretty well, doesn't he? Yeah, sure, he knows me, certainly. Now, hasn't it occurred to you that he may have put out an act for your benefit? Hmm? I don't get you. Now, let's assume that Fingers is the real kidnapper. It's been over a year since the ransom money was paid. Fingers has been careful. He hasn't tried to pass any of the 50 grand because he knows it's red hot. But now he figures the heat has died down, so he 
sends up a trial balloon. How do you mean trial balloon? Oh, he's got a record as a dip, Miss Williams. He figures if he gets caught passing that dough, we'll believe that he lifted the money from a guy's pocket. And to cinch it, he acts like he's lifting it from a guy's pocket while Casey is watching him. <laughs> he picked you for his star witness, pal. Logan, huh? hasn't it occurred to you that the fat guy might have been sending up that trial balloon? Huh? What do you mean? Assume the fat guy's the real kidnapper. And he wants to know how safe it is to pass those ransom bills. He knows that Fingers is a pickpocket. Well, he goes to one of the little runt's hangouts and flashes a roll in front of him. And then he leaves the joint, saunters into a crowded store where it'll be easy for Fingers to work, and Fingers does exactly what's expected of him. Uh, That's a reasonable theory, Captain. Uh, sure. If Fingers gets caught passing that dough, the kidnapper learns about it from the papers and continues to let the money cool off. Also, Fingers has a long record. You cops won't believe anything he tells you. You'll tag him as the Walters kidnapper, which will leave the real one sitting pretty. The only thing the real kidnapper didn't figure was that someone might see Fingers take his wallet. Well, maybe you've got something there, Casey. You and Miss Williams have never seen that fat guy before. Mm -hmm. No, no, but we'll know him if we see him again, though. Definitely. Your description might fit a thousand guys in this town. I want you two to go up to the record room and, and look at some pictures we've got in the file. Uh, oh, great. That'll only take us about four or five hours, Logan. Oh, Casey. And this was to have been our night off. Perhaps you'll forgive this last-minute reminder, but there are now exactly four more shopping days until Christmas. That means a very real problem to those of us who like to put things off, as who doesn't? Is there anyone you've overlooked? Anyone to whom you want to give something beautiful, practical, and inexpensive? Well, you'll find the answer in Fire King Oven Glass. Whether it's a single Fire King casserole or an entire set of Fire King Oven Glass, prices are unbelievably low, and it'll take a minimum of shopping time at your favorite chain, variety, hardware, or department store. So remember, with housekeeping a real problem in this post-war era, Fire King Oven Glass is a gift that makes it easier in so many ways because Fire King makes foods go farther and enables you to turn leftovers into delicious main courses. Fire King Oven Glass is a product of Anchor Hawking. A great name in glass. I don't recognize any picture here, Logan. Oh, me either. Oh, golly. Captain, why don't you have some good-looking crooks in your files? I'm going to have nightmares looking at pictures of so many ugly men. Oh, you should see the women. <laughs> Logan, you know, there's one picture here that bothers me. It, it, it resembles the guy a lot, but, but well, look at the description that goes with it. Nick Pencer, Woolstock Prison, discharged, 1944, armed robbery. Age 30, height 5 feet. Well, you said your fat guy was a six-footer and at least 45 years old. Yeah, he weighed a good 250-plus, too. This Nick Pencer's weight has given us only 135. Well, they can't be the same man, then. No, no, not a chance. It's funny, though, there is a resemblance. Well, uh, we need more than that. 
Uh, let's all go home and get some sleep. Me yeah. for that. Me too. I'm so tired I can't think. I'm falling over. I'll murder anybody who wakes me up before noon tomorrow. Hello. Morning, Annie. Who's this? Wake up, kid. It's Casey. Casey? Oh, oh, Casey. Yeah, Casey, yeah. You remember me, don't you? Yes, I do. And it's only 9 o'clock, and what is the big uh, idea? Annie, Annie, look. I think I know where to look for that fat guy. You do? I certainly do. The old bean wasn't working last night. But when I woke up a few minutes ago, I had it. The strong resemblance between that young half-pint crook, Nick Penser, and our big, fat, 45-year-old guy can't be just coincidental, Annie. They must be relatives, maybe brothers. Mm-hmm, go well, on. Well, I've, I've looked in the phone book and found only one Penser listed, John Penser, contractor, who lives and does business out on Dudley Road. I thought you might like to drive out there with me and see what John Penser looks like. Uh, why don't you have the cops go out and look at him? Uh, Annie, you're not awake yet. Only you and I can identify that fat guy. Besides, if, if you and I find him, Annie, we get, we get an exclusive. The cops are in on it. Every paper in town will have Well, I'm it. awake now, all right. Where will I meet you? I'll be outside your door with a car in 15 minutes. Casey, I've got to dress. Uh, oh, we'll make it a half an hour, then. We'll make it a full hour, and no sooner. Well, what are you going to dress, yourself or a Christmas tree? Listen, Annie, I can bathe, shave, and get into my clothes in 10 minutes. I put on underwear. Goodbye. <laughs> Getting close to that address, Annie. Yeah. This isn't a very attractive neighborhood. Well, John Penser contractor can't be much of a concern. And John Penser contractor may be no relation whatever to the Nick Penser in the police files. The name's very unusual, Anne. I have a hunch. Uh-oh. There's the place. Yep. I'll stop here so we can look the joint over. Well, there's a concrete garage attached to the house with a good-sized truck inside and... Room for another. Hmm. Concrete mixer in the workyard. Oh, Casey, established businessman. Don't go in for kidnapping. I think we're on a wild goose chase. Annie, that guy coming out of the garage. Hmm, what about him? He's just a skinny little... Annie, you need glasses and a more photographic memory. He's the man of that police picture. Of course, Nick Penser. Now I know my hunch was right. He's looking over here. Well, he's never seen us before, but I'll get rolling anyway. Now, how can we find out if he has a fat brother? Well, drop into one of these neighborhood stores and make a few inquiries. Then what? Well, how can I tell until I find out what I hope to find out? Annie, you're the darndest girl for asking questions. You really mm. are. No, stop there. No, we'll stop here. We'll go into this little drugstore right here. The druggist usually knows everybody in the neighborhood. Come on. Okay, but I think it would be simpler and more sensible to make inquiries at the precinct police station. I don't want the cops in on this until we know where we stand. Here, let me do the talking. It's your party, wise guy. You handle everything. Uh... What can I do for you young people? Ah, oh, hello, Pop. We're going to have, um... Well, what kind of ice cream soda do you want, Annie? If I must have an ice cream soda, chocolate. Chocolate. Same for me. Uh, two chocolate sodas. That's right. Huh? Oh, by the way, uh, I'm looking for a party in this neighborhood by the name of Penser. I imagine you know the family well. Penser? Yeah. Never heard the name before. Uh, you never heard of it? Change my order to raspberry. Uh, yes, miss. One raspberry. <clears throat> I'm uh, just a stranger here. Come down from upstate to handle this place while my son's away hunting. Maybe my granddaughter can tell you what you want to know. Say, uh, 
Katie. Yes, Grandpa? Come here. Fellas looking for a party by the name of Penner. Penner? No, not yeah. Penner. Penser. Oh, I know the Pensers. All of them. You do? That's swell. Yeah. Mr. Pencil is down the street. Uh-huh. Over his office. He's a contractor. Uh, what's he look like? Is he... Uh, uh, Mr. Pencil's short and skinny and his first name is Nick. Uh, well, Nick Pencil's not the contractor. Yes, he is. Ever since he got out of prison a couple of years ago. You say somebody's gone to prison, Katie? No, Grandpa. They've come out. That shows him right, then. The man's reformed now. Oh, that's bad, very bad. Well, Grandpa's a little deaf. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, sister, I, I understand that my friend, Nick, has a brother or a cousin. No. Uh, uh, maybe an uncle? No. Uh, here's the sodies. Uh, who gets the raspberry? He does. Uh, here you are, mister. Thanks. And, Mr. Casey, you have earned it. Sister, you mean Mr. Nick Penser has no relatives at all? He's got a sister and a nephew. Oh, that's a great help. How old's the nephew? About ten? No, ma'am. He's the funniest thing. Mr. Gus Penser's a lot older than his uncle. Huh? Mr. Gus is Mr. Nick's partner, I think. And he comes in here all the time. What does Mr. Gus Penser look like? Well, he's tall and fat, and in the face he looks like Mr. Nick. And he... Give me that chocolate. You take the raspberry. Here's Mr. Gus now. Oh, Casey. He's our fat guy. Mr. Gus, these yeah. people were just asking about you. They're friends of Mr. Uh, oh, that's bad. Is that so? He recognizes us, Casey. Yeah. Wasn't it lucky I had dropped in here when I did to find friends of Nick's? Uh, Grandpa, go back to your back room and put me up uh, two bits worth of turpentine. Uh, two bits worth of turpentine? Uh, go along and help him, sissy. He can never find anything. I'll show him, Mr. Gus. So you two were asking about me. You've been told that we were. I noticed a car outside with a press sign on it. Yours? Yeah. And you were looking for me because of what you happened to see in Franken's yesterday. If I said no, you wouldn't believe me. Right. This hand in my pocket has a gun in it, mister. So do exactly as I tell you. Okay. Remember, and don't pull anything. Here's a bottle of turps. Thanks, Grandpa. Here's your two bits. Uh, come on with me, folks. You said you wanted to pay Nick a visit. Uh, Casey. We got no choice, Annie. Right. Uh, so long, Grandpa. Hey, ain't you folks going to finish your sodas? No, we lost our appetites. You didn't take even a sip of your raspberry, mister. That's what you think, sister. into your car. Both in the front seat. You drive, fella. I'll sit in back with this gat. Well, I drive, too. Just down the street to next place. Mine. He and I are partners in everything. And he'll be tickled to see your old friend. Turn into the work yard and park in our garage. And next to the truck there. Okay. That's fine. Now what do we do? You and your boyfriend don't do anything, lady. And to make sure you don't... You hit Casey with your gun! And you get the shape! That'll keep the two of you quiet for a while. Nick! Nick! Yeah? What do you want, Gus? Come into the garage, quick. Okay. Whose car you got in there? You'll see. Come inside and help me close these doors. Okay. What's the idea? Take a look inside this car. Who's the guy and the dame? They're the two I told you about last night. Saw that dip take the hot dough from my pocket. They got wise to the layout and located us. They police? No. These two are newspaper mugs. 
I figured they were making this play on their own, so we got to take care of them. Uh, we can't bump them off here. We can. We do it nice, clean, and quiet. Get those big spools of adhesive tape from the house. What are you going to do? You'll see. Get that tape. The gal all tied up, Gus. And help me with this guy. Yeah. Wrap some more tape around his ankles. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's fixed now and solid. All right. I'll climb into that truck and start the motor, Nick. Oh, the carbon monoxide treatment, huh? Yeah. Nice, clean, and quiet. You just lock him in this closed garage to breathe the gas. Tonight, when it's dark, we get rid of their bodies in their car. Start the motor. Ann, I worked the tape off my mouth against that fender. Nod your head if you're okay, kid. Try to pull the adhesive tape off your wrists with my teeth. I'm getting lightheaded. Gas is beginning to work. I got the tape. Now pull and turn your wrists. Pull more, Annie. There, that did it. Your hands are free. Pull the tape off your mouth now. Keep your head down low, kid. Try to hold on. I will, I will. Pull this tape off my hands. You, you, you better let me free my ankles first so I can get to that truck and shut off the motor. No, no, no. Free my hands. Those two guys may be just outside where they can hear. Yeah, but but, but if it keeps on running, we we'll, we'll... If it doesn't keep on running, we'll have no second chance like this. Free my hands. All right, and... all right. I, I, I've got the end loose. I... Pull now. There, does it. Now, unwind your ankles. Well, I get this stuff off of mine. What, what good will it do us? We, we, we can't get out of here. We'll get out. Don't this, breathe, too deep. This we'll garage is solid concrete. And I heard them lock those heavy doors when they went out. So... Nah, I've got my ankles free. Now, hang on, kid. I'm picking you up. What are you going to do? I'm putting you in this truck. This truck? Why? It's taking us out of here. Keep your head down. Okay. I'm driving through those doors. Take you through. Pure air. Wait a minute, look. Also, those two pencil guys, they heard us. Yes, and they have guns, too. Step on my gas, Casey. Drive past them. Let's get away. I can't. You, you can? Oh, What's the I matter? I stole the motor. Duck, they're shooting. Oh, why are they running away? They're, they're getting into that car. They're going to try to get away. If I can only get this motor started again. That did it. Now, come on. Casey, don't drive toward their car. They will stop. I'm driving into again. their car. <laughs> this ten-ton truck does a nice job when it hits a tin can like oh, that. Oh, Casey, my nerves will never be the same again. I'll never recognize mine either. Come on, let's call City Desk. <laughs> get the cops out here so we can get to the Blue Note. I need another pair of glasses. The kind you fill.
You didn't kill them two kidnappers when you threw that truck at them, Casey? No, Bethelbert, no. The cops pulled them out of the wreckage in fairly good shape, considering. They'll be able to walk to the chair. How about the ransom money? Did the cops find it? Yeah, yeah. Gus, the fat guy, confessed the Walters kidnapping and told where he and Nick had hidden the dough. Gee, and all because you and Miss Williams did some Christmas shopping. <laughs> Say, what happened to the little dip, Fingers Fogarty? Well, in trying to clear himself of the kidnap and murder charge, Ethelbert, Fingers made so many admissions about his own specialty that the cops can keep him in jail until 1999. Gee, 1999, huh? Good heavens, Casey, what's hmm? that coming in the door? Hmm? What, what on earth? Hey, hey. What do you say, mister? That's the biggest tree I got on the wagon, okay? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, now that's what I call a real Christmas tree. Ethelbert, what are you going to do with such a big tree? Well, you couldn't get a little tree in that big room. Crime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, is brought to you each Thursday at this time by the Anchor Hocking Glass Corporation, makers of Fire King Oven Glass. Anchor Glass Containers, Anchor Caps and Closures, all products of the Anchor Hocking Glass Corporation, a great name in glass. by John Deeds is written by Alonzo Dean Cole and is based on the fictional character of Casey created by George Harmon Cox. The original music is by Archie Blyer and the program features Miss Leslie Woods as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Herman Chittison is the Blue Note pianist. Thursday night on CBS is the biggest show in town, so stay tuned for exciting dramatizations on Reader's Digest Radio Edition, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Now for our sponsor, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, and all of us on the show, this is Tony Marvin wishing every one of you a joyful and happy holiday at this Christmas time. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.